Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special edition of All Ball Chicago. I'm your co-host, Robert Bobby Reed, and I got the legend, the NBA veteran, the McDonald's All-American, your host, Marcus, living in the building. What's up, Marcus? Man, what's up, my beautiful people? And I got a special guest in the building today. One of the top high school basketball players that ever come out of Chicago, a McDonald's All-American, sometimes Mr. Basketball, fighting the line line, final four, on to the NBA with the Denver Nuggets. Give it up for your man, Marcus Liberty, man. Doc, that's what they call it. Give it up for Doc, man. What's up, boy? Man, what's up, my beautiful people, man? Man, hey, it's I'm excited about joining y'all show, man. I mean, you and my man and been doing it, Bob. You you heard that? You heard that? <laughs> hey, my, my 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 headset is acting up. Your, your headset acting up right now? But I can hear you though. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you, okay, man. Okay, well, we'll just rock like this. I can I said, hear you. I won't do I the said, headphones. Today. I said, man, it's an honor, man, to be on the show, man. I know you guys been having on other people, man. It's my turn to rock the show now. Yeah, man. You know, we've been hearing a lot about Marcus Liberty growing up, you know, uh, coming from Chicago. You know, we hear the name. I mean, there's not another. It's one dude on social media, but he don't count. But there's not another Marcus Liberty associated with basketball, man. And when you mention Chicago, your name is synonymous with the greats. And I want to just put it back on you, big dog. You know, first of all, thanks for coming on and giving up your time. I hope people can hear us pretty good because I can hear you pretty good. And uh, I just want to say, man, um, who put the ball in your hand, man? Man, I know we had talked about it a little bit. early on, you know, in our shows, but it was my my dad, my uncles, my brothers. I had two older brothers. Uh, so I would say my family put the rock in my hand and um, didn't really know the game, didn't really know the game, didn't understand it. Uh, but when you get a taste of success, I got an opportunity to play with my uncles and I blocked the shot and I felt it felt pretty good. How old, was you? How old was you? I was 11, 11 years old. How tall? Man, I wasn't that tall, Bob. I wasn't that tall when I was 11, man. I, okay. didn't, I didn't hit that growth spurt to, until I got to that seventh grade to going to eighth grade. Okay. That's when, I hit, that's when I hit my growth spurt. But didn't really understand, didn't know the game, but I did block somebody's shot, one of my cousins. <laughs> shot, and it just felt good. So once that happened, I thought everything else was just going to fall into place. And then I started shooting the basketball and I shot the ball over the rim. Got the ball <laughs> stolen from me. You know, got the ball stolen from me. So, you know, I told my dad after that and my brothers, I really want to learn this because I don't want to keep shooting the basketball and over the rim, over the over the basket. I don't want to keep the ball getting taken from me. So they was like, if you really want to learn, you know, we'll show you. Okay. Okay, you was 11 years old. I could see you too. You probably was uncoordinated and everything, right? At 11 <laughs> years old, you have no coordination. Mm -hmm. I can see you shooting that ball over that rail. <laughs> like, 
And your dad like, that's okay, son. Good shot, good shot. But then you start to catch on a little bit after 11 years old. And from what I understand, I've heard somebody else say it too. Terry Sampson even said it. He was like, first time he saw you in grammar school, you was whooping on their butt. Talk about that, man. Okay, from there, 11, 11 years old, from there, 12, 13, that's seventh and eighth grade, you turned the corner? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I got cut from my sixth grade team. Well, it wasn't a sixth grade team, but it was an elementary school team. And at the time, he wasn't allowing sixth graders on, but my brother was already on the team. So it was like, you gonna try out. We gonna let you try out, you know? And I didn't make the team, but my father and my brothers always taught me to ask questions if something happens, like basketball wise, something happened, ask the coach what happened and tell him, ask him what you need to do to get better. His words was learn how to dribble. Right. And I'm already like a small guy at the time, sixth grade. So I worked on my handles, you know, got my handles tight. So that seventh grade year came next year. And I was like, man, anybody going to be able to stop me now? Because now I got them handles. Right. And then then I grew a little bit. So now I'm taller with the handles. So everybody looking like, man, that's Marcus. Man, he grew, he sprouted up like, like nothing, you know, from last year to this year. That's not the same kid. So I started playing. And, and of course, he didn't want to start me at the time, the coach. So it was my brother's team, basically, of stretch, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace to my brother. It was his team, basically. And I had to wait my turn. But I knew I was ready. But I just had to wait my turn because that was his team. So now come to that eighth grade year, and this is what Terry Sampson is talking about. Like, this kid is in middle school, I mean, uh, elementary school, the eighth grade, and doing his thing. And he's playing against high school kids and and dominating, you know. Dominating? I'm, I'm a legit 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Damn! In eighth, in eighth grade. You know, so I'm talking about legit, not no, oh, man, this kid is old. No, I was legit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dunking. I was dunking in elementary, man, eighth grade. You know, not no fingertip dunk, hard dunks. You know, so, 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 so I'm starting to, I'm starting to get a rep you know, in the neighborhoods, you know, now, you know, all these travel ball teams like my man Dynasty, uh, Hope, he had a program called Dynasty. I played with them and I also played with uh, the Robert Taylors down in the hole. So I'm playing with all these different types of programs. So guess what? I'm seeing all type of different kids. So I'm playing against all type of different kids, some strong, some finesse, some, you know, talk trash. So I'm learning learning, picking up the game and, and understanding that every time I step on the court, either somebody's going to try to get on my head mentally or somebody's going to try to get physical with me. So I understood what was at stake. So when they when they brought it, I was already ready for it. Right. So I owe a lot to, you know, the projects that I was from and the dynasty, my man Hope at Dynasty. The projects where you was from, we can't take for granted. Projects. Oh, definitely what Hilliard Homes and the Ickies. Hilliard Homes, baby. The, the Hilliard Homes and the Ickies get much love from me, you know, but Chicago in general, you know, because I always wanted to do good for my city wherever I was at. But back in elementary school, man, eighth grade is when I figured it out that I can be special at this. Wow. Eighth grade, six, four, you say six, four, six, five. You like six, five, and I ain't talking about with shoes on and all that. <laughs> no. no, no. 
So in eighth grade, you did. So you had a lot of coaches coming to recruit you, coming from high school. You had them all coming to you, calling your parents already. Man, uh, from from De La Salle private schools to uh, Westside Crane. Uh, you know what was so funny that Cox didn't really come after me, you know, like that because I don't think Cox knew that Daryl had a younger brother. Oh, you know, he didn't. He didn't know that. You know, because my brother was already at King. That's crazy. And I don't, I don't think Cox knew he had a younger brother until he saw me play at Crane, because Crane coach was at a, a, a elementary school All Star game, sitting next to my dad, and he was basically saying, "Man, I got had a kid right there," but he didn't know that was my dad. Right. You know, and my dad turned around, looked at him, and said, "You want?" And the coach was like, yeah, why would I not want that kid? He said, you got him. You got wow. him. But mind, that was the, that but, mind was the extent. but mind you, I don't know this. So right. after the game, I'm going over there, you know, I always go show love to my dad after the game. And we shake hands and hug. And he's like, meet your new coach. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, okay. All right, how you doing? You know, we, we talked. And he's like, man, I like your game. Whoop-de-whoop. And. I got, I'm head coach, varsity coach at Crane High School, and that's how I ended up at Crane. <laughs> wow, and I, and you know that's that's amazing, man. That because Crane was pretty good, because you had a lot of good friends there that you played with, because y'all did pretty well as freshmen, right? And sophomores, your first year. How was that first year for you uh, coming in? Yeah, I mean, but let's go a little bit to the, the history. You know, a little bit of the history. I, I mean, I don't know too deep, but I know Corey Blackwell went to Crane, who was a, a pretty good doggone basketball player who ended up going to Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Derek Young, mm -hmm. hell of a player. Anthony Manuel. Uh, these are some of the great players who were there before I came to Crane. So right. I knew it was some history that, that a lot of players. And you've got Ken Norman. A lot of people don't know Ken Norman. He was right, Ken I remember Snake. The Snake, right? Yeah, Snake. What Snake, happened to the Snake? We we'll track him to, down later. Snake went, Snake went to Crane. So they had the history already at Crane. And on the West Side in general, it's just a different breed, you know, different type of game. So, yeah, my freshman year, uh, I played alongside with Do uh, Joe Doherty, uh, Terrell Jackson, uh, Steve Collins, called him Pookie. Um, all these guys I've played with and learned, Mark Lockhart, we, we all like messed together and we, we had one common goal and we had a great coach and Mr. White um, who wanted to see us, you know, he wasn't putting leashes on us or anything like that. He was like, I'm going to give you some structure and then you guys play your game within that structure, which everybody was like excited, you know, about. We lost one game that year and that was to Manly. That was to Manly at, uh, at Manly High High school, uh, I think we lost about one or two points. Um, and I remember I was pissed. I was pissed. And I was at, at the end of the game, I was like, man, look here, dude, we can't lose no more. We ain't losing another one. You month. were pissed at one game? Come on, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I told I said, I told the boys, I said, man, we ain't losing another mother game. Watch me, you know, and, 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 and the rest was history, man. We got all the way to the city championship, of course. You hear that name a lot on our show, Simeon High School, because Simeon High School was already building that that powerhouse. They had that powerhouse, you know, mm -hmm. high school. Uh, so they were in the city championship. And 
And um, that's when everybody really got an opportunity to see me because it was really on a big stage, you know, city championship right. game right before the big game, the varsity game right. at the pavilion. So people were coming early. They right. were coming early. So I was like, they getting early. So then I, they coming early. So I got to put on a show. That you was my mindset. Man, I put on a show. What you I put doing? on a show. Man. I was going coast to coast, <laughs> finger rolling, dunking, blocking shots. You know, and people was like, man, who is that kid? How tall was you at that point, Lib? Did you, had you grown some more? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I was legit 6'6", six, six then, man. 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Dang. Uh, and, Sophomore? And... No, that was a freshman. Freshman, right, right, freshman. okay, right. Damn. Freshman. So, so I'm doing my thing out there, man. And all of a sudden, uh, my brother says, man, Cox wants to meet with you. Because <laughs> we, we ended up beating Simeon, and I think we beat him by a lot, you know. And um, and um, Cox, you know, said he wanted, my brother said he wanted to meet me. And I said, I don't want to meet with him. The way he treated you, I don't want to go there. Right. You know, and um, and then um, I talked to my brother. I said, Cox met me, and I turned him down. I said, no, I'm not coming. You know, I'm gonna stay at Crane. You know, he's he's gonna be persistent. He's gonna keep coming, keep coming, being consistent, <laughs> trying to get me to go. You know, to uh to King. So he came back down there again, and I said, I told my brother, I said, if I make this decision, are you okay with? And he said, man, I'm not playing no more. So that's on you. He said, do what you feel is best for you. You know, and once I got the blessings from my brother, I made the decision. Right. A lot of people think that I went there because of. He gave me shoes and all that stuff, but I didn't care about that stuff, man, really. I mean, it was nice to have, but that is, that's not the reason why I went to, you know, King. I went there because I thought, man, they had potential because I remember watching the game because they lost to Simeon that year on the varsity. Ben was playing. And, yeah, when Ben was playing and mm -hmm. and Tim Bankston and Bankston, yeah. all those guys that, you that know, we had some of the guys. That was a mammoth game, bro. That was a mammoth game. Yeah, and Laurent was on King's side and he was at Simeon, so... <laughs> Yeah. So we had uh I, I stayed and watch I stayed and watched that game. So now I'm seeing what's out there. Right. Because I was I really wasn't going to high school games to really check out people unless they played Crane varsity team, you know. Right. Uh, so when I got an opportunity to see Simeon play in person, I was like, oh, okay, this this squad that we're gonna have to beat if I if I if I if I stay at King, I mean Crane, this is the team that we're gonna have to beat, you know, Simeon. But like, make a long story short, I ended up leaving and going to King. And then King had Tracy Dildy and, and all these other great players, Ramil Shorter, you know, Ephraim Winters was there. You know, you just had a lot of history, good history. Right, right, the legacy. there, And um, I made the decision, man. The rest was history. Well, that history continues because now you're at King and the rest is history. Now you're building this. This McDonald thing that ends up happening later on, but let's talk about that sophomore year when you get the King, where you probably could have potentially been on varsity, but you stayed on. So you was on sophomore to work on your game, right? At Crane, at, at Crane, King. I was at King. No, I Cox wouldn't put me on no varsity. Man, I started the sophomore on King uh, uh, varsity team, and um, Cox was just Cox was Cox, man. Cox was he was real slick with his words and the way he talked and um, 
he got me over there and I was playing on varsity, starting on varsity alongside Tracy Dildy. And um, I didn't want to step on no toes because I'm, I'm the new kid on the block. You right. know, so this is your team, Tracy. This is Tracy Dildy's team. Right. You know, I'm following his lead, you know, right. and um, learning, you know, playing with older guys, learning, learning that. But I ended up probably averaging about 17, 18 points, you know, my sophomore year at, uh, at King. And then um, it was time for playoffs because the hoopla was it's going to be King against Simeon because Marcus is over there. They already have some good pieces. Right. So we we were looking, I'm just going to say, it, we overlooked the teams that we lost to, like the team we lost to. We overlooked Tilden. Tilden came mm-hmm. to our place, and it was a playoff game, and Tilden gave it to us. They, they just had one of them nights like Villanova did uh, Georgetown that year. Man, and it was it was at it was at my it was at our gym, man. And I was like, man, I'm a sophomore. Really, I'm not accustomed to losing. We was winning when I was in elementary school. We was winning at Crane, and then we lost this game. So I was heartbroken, man. And I'm like, man, this can't happen no more. So now <laughs> it's time for you know, you know, let's rewind a little bit. Cox, after we lost, Simeon was still playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember Cox took us to a game downstate, and and I was looking in the stands, and I was like, "Wow!" And I looked at Lavertis. Lavertis looked at me. I said, "We got to get down here next year." <laughs> and the next year, and the next year, we got down there, man. Because when I when I we talked about Cox earlier, and when we did the tribute to him, and on his passing, that's what we I was talking about when I said he gave us, he was a visionary, he saw something. So he's like, I'm gonna take these guys down there knowing he knew my personality, he knew Laverta's personality mm-hmm. that we wanted to get there. We didn't just coming down here to, to watch and eat popcorn. He was, <laughs> he was like, no, he know, he know I was gonna say something. I'm like, coach, we gotta get down here, man. Right. We, we had to. We had to get back downstate. We got to get downstate. I mean, not back downstate, but we have to get downstate. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got the work. I started putting in work. Roberta started putting in more work. We started getting the guys together, you know, shooting. We go to LeClaire Courts and Pooh at Roberta's I mean, in his neighborhood. But some of the guys that come down to my neighborhood on the low end, we start hooping, man. And we, and rest, we was like, if we get that, yeah, we get that opportunity to go downstate. We know the city championship is going to be it. Whoever comes from the city who wins that city championship is probably going to win that state championship. And we knew that. Right, right. Because it was on back then, it was only one team could go down, right? Right. Right. Oh, wow. That's 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 crazy, man. So the next season come. You know, y'all get tapped by Bowen. <sighs> you done had that time to build up. Now you a junior. Tilden. Tilden, I mean Tilden. Right. I'm bad, my bad. Tilden. I think Tilden had one of my little guys over there named Terrell. I think he had a part of them in his head. I can't remember, but anyway, uh, you come back your junior year. You got a fire. You you what happened? Tell me what happened with that. Tell us what happened, man. Like I said before, uh, when you get elite type players together, and you all have one common goal, is to win. It's win as many games as you possibly can, and that year. 
we won. We only lost one game. Now we we all felt that we got cheated. And I think Charlie, Charlie Brown on our show mentioned that that anytime you go out of the out of your area and go down, go play upstate, downstate, those teams are gonna have it out for you, you know. And it was in Rock Island. We played a team down there. I can't remember uh the team, but the coach was a legendary coach. Cox didn't care. He didn't care where we went. He's like, they can get it anywhere, <laughs> you know. So we we went to their gym, they gym, and we lost, I want to say about one, one point, but they fouled me out, Vertis out, and Reginald King out. Wow. <laughs> so they fought, they fought. That mean they 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 fouled out number 10, number 20, and number 30. So you you know they had it on that the referees had it checked. They knew who to file out. We didn't have our names on the back of our jersey. They knew they knew they were going after man. Yeah. So we got we got cheated that game. I'm just gonna say it. we did. We got cheated, and we lost that game. And then the rest, we never lost. We never lost another game, you know. And then it was time to make it to the, and just let me playing in the Red Central. I know people always say you know Red South, but that Red Central was no joke. You know, you got Robeson, Phillips, Dunbar. Uh, a lot of great basketball being played in the, that conference, man. So you had to battle each and every night. It's a dog fight. So when it's time for us to go play in the city championship and the city playoffs, some of them teams we were playing, we like, they're not ready for us, you know. <laughs> I can't remember exactly all the teams we played before we got to the big game, which was against Simeon High School. Um, but I can't remember the games we played, who, who, what team it was against and all that. But I just knew that we all had one common goal, and that was to get downstate, you know. And uh, whoever was in our way, then they got to get – they're going to get dealt with, you know. So, <laughs> so Simeon happened to be in our way. Uh, of course, we had a lot of, uh, I would say, fire behind us because it seemed like everybody was against King because mm -hmm. of the uh, – you know, the history that Simeon already had mm -hmm. and people were always saying Simeon going to win. So don't worry about it. I think Kenny McReynolds, I know he was, you know, talking about it on the radio show. Uh, King is going to lose. And I'll tell you why they're going to get out coached. And so my, and he said, King, I mean, Simeon had the better guards. And so Cox was using all that as, as ammunition to, to shoot at our guys at us. Like, man, they didn't already said they pretty much got. And they like, man, our guards ain't going to do nothing. So Cox used that, man, to put fire Cox said, did, did you say Cox came in and told you that they booked the rooms down yeah. there? <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but history, Simeon does that every year, they say. Yeah, they do. They do yeah. that at the beginning of the year. Right. So, so Cox used that and said, well, Simeon said, they going downstate and they got the room and hotel. So why don't we just go ahead and take their rooms? <laughs> I mean, he, he literally said it just like that, you know, and this was during the game, like a timeout. Oh. And he said that, man. So big ups to Cox, man. I miss him, man. Rest in peace to my coach, man. Rest in peace. Coach Cox. He knew how to push them damn buttons. Huh? Good man. stuff, man. So y'all ended up beating Simeon, which was a good game. 
Uh, great game. Great game. I man. mean, that was the first high school game I seen on Channel 9. I think the game was on Channel 11 or Channel 9. Yeah, it was not. It was a national televised game. I yeah. had people, I had people, you know, from all over, man, telling me, man, I watched you play when you were in high school. I'm like, man, I'm living in Florida. You watch. He's like, man, we saw it. WGN came everywhere. Yeah, man. Like, the Superstation, right? Yeah, so they 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 got the opportunity to see. But Nick, you know, Nick Anderson played with Simeon, uh, Dion Butler. They, I mean, Baby D. Uh, they had a they had a great team, man. And it was one players. How many Division One players played in that game? Man, it got to be at least 10 well. <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to know. I know Irving went not, Division One. Who else? Who all went Division One off of that, those two teams? Really? Well, you got you got to think about Simeon starting four because they had a, I think, did Mark Bradley start on it? I don't know. Al Gordon, Alan Gordon, he went to, uh, where did he go? Long Beach State. That's a Division One. So they top, they starting five went D1. Right. And our starting five, no, Emmett, Emmett ended up going to a junior college, I think. But everybody else, you know, pretty much went D1. So I would say- That never happened again. That would never happen again, bro. Nine division one players. And Lord knows, Emmett could have been yeah. division one too for whatever reason, but I'm just saying- he No, no, Emmett, Emmett, Emmett definitely was a D1 player, it's just- some things happen, man, with the, the situation, you know, people not handling it. Man, all that yeah, people not handling the, the you know the recruiting right. Right. Uh, but but I think the, the 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 feelings was mutual. Like we had respect for Simeon. Simeon had respect for us. Mm-hmm. You know, because we knew each other. I mean, I knew Nick. Man, even to this day, man, I see how y'all relationships, people like the coaches that y'all had. They thought that they had bad blood, but in reality, off the court, y'all, some of y'all are the best of friends. Cause I know for a fact, I won't name names, but a lot of those Simeon guys are your best friends. Oh, no, so, no question. But think about this, Bob, man. I, and that's what I always tell people. We playing a game of basketball and somebody's going to lose and somebody's going to win. Mm-hmm. So if you're not coming in the game thinking you're going to win, why play? Right. So, right. so I'm looking at the opposing team and saying, yeah, we gonna beat you. <laughs> and if they not saying the same thing, then they shouldn't be playing. They shouldn't be playing. I've never came to a game and said I was gonna lose. In other right, words, right. So, so people can say, man, King was cocky. People can say, man, Simeon was cocky. But we both knew we had one common goal, and that was to see who was gonna go downstate. <laughs> and y'all took turns for year, year after year. Each year, one go, one go, one go, and that's great, man. That was great for the city. Yeah. Back in the eighties, I mean, that was a, I was gothic. And I tell you what, man, uh, real quick, the schools were rallying behind the teachers. Everybody rallied behind that stuff. The pet rallies, man, we used to have behind that. So you know, shout out to all y'all guys who did a great job leading this great city. But now, Liv, you go downstate where you finally wanted to get to. Talk about that, big fella. What happened? Man, a bigger stage. You know, the bigger the stage, the your elite players have to show up. You know, and um, I t- I think we talked about this on our show before too. That even with uh, the NBA, when those guys who made it to the playoffs, you know, I'm talking about the Clippers, you know, the big players didn't show up, you know, that's, that's your time to shine. Right. You know, so I was always taught that 
on that big stage, when you start smelling popcorn and hot dogs, it's time <laughs> to show out. It's time to show out. You know, these people, these fans came to watch y'all put on the show. So I always thought that, man, I have to put on the show when I step out there on that court, no matter what type of fans they are, who they are, where they come from. They could be for the opposing team. I'm going to put on the show. Right. And that's what we was doing, man. Me and Lavertis, you know, Lavertis jumped out the gym. Lavertis Robinson was a high flyer. I right. knew if I throw that ball up in the air, any kind of way I throw it up there, he's gonna go get it. Yeah, Lavertis used to get funky in the crib line. Yeah, so we had one common goal, man, is was to win the state championship. You know, and think about some of the, the players that we we played against the team. Simeon, Nick Anderson, you know, great Nick Anderson. Uh, then we get downstate, we got to go through. You know, to win the state championship, we had to go through Kendall Gill, you know. So uh, it was just a great experience, you know, for me, you know, to win a state championship in front of the school that I was going to eventually attend. Um, and But Kendall Gill, they had a different comment, you know, like they, they didn't want to run, you know. They didn't want to run with us, you know. Teams knew if they run with us, they in trouble. <laughs> you know, they, even Simeon, no even – even Simeon, they didn't want to run with us, you know. Right. Like they they knew that if we slow it down a little bit, make these boys play a little bit, and then and Simeon go back to Simeon game. Simeon, they could have won that game, you know, but some some bad calls, you know. I think Hambrick called a timeout when they were up, and it kind of messed up the momentum because they were up by one point, I think, and they called a timeout, and then Emmett got two steals back to back, and it was a wrap. It was on right. that momentum. That's I think Irvin got hurt or something. Then Irvin, he was great. Irvin got hit in the eye, but I, I, Irvin, look, this is what happened. You know, I know people want to hear the Simeon story more so than the state championship side of it. Irvin and Nick, Marcus, me, and Lavertis, we was going to balance each other out. So right. it was going to come down to the guard play anyway. Right. And that's what Cox focused on. See, that's why I say Cox was a genius, man, when it came to that. He knew me and Laverta was going to do our thing. He knew Nick and Irvin was going to do their thing. Mm -hmm. So we were thinking, if our guard play, we get special, then that play out of the guards, which we did. Right. We win the game, and we did. Right. And uh, the guard, his name was, um, I just had it on my mind, Cato, right? Shake yeah, Reginald King. Shake and bake Cato. Reginald King. And I think. He played he out his mind that game, though. But he was he was playing like that all season. See, oh. people people don't they just don't want to give certain players they just do. Well, and you know, we didn't see him either. You know, we didn't see him night in and night out. That was our first time seeing him, like you said, on the big stage. Yeah, but but I'm saying this: people don't want to give. I mean, you still had his stats in the paper. You know, mm -hmm. he averaged double figures. You know, he he was still giving assists. You know, high assists. He was getting them steals. I mean, Cato, Reginald King's been doing that since he was in elementary school, man. Like, really, like, going, blowing by people. Yeah, Cato so, was tough, man. The so, he just, he just didn't get his, but that was his chance to show everybody what right. I was capable of doing. Yeah. Him and Emmett. You know, Emmett, when Emmett, Emmett Lynch, when he was in middle, uh, elementary school, he was averaging 30. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we had, we had that those type of players but that, those, that guard matchup was personal it was personal man it was personal, it was personal and they took it really personal 
because Kato and um and Emmy wasn't getting the pub that Allen and Dion was getting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So so it was uh it was time for them to show what the guard player King was really about because that's what Kenny McRenner was talking about. King's don't, King doesn't have the guards to hang with Simeon's guards. And Dion, people, you know, was trying to trash my man to talk bad about Dion, but Dion had a hell of a game. He didn't score a lot of points. I think he had like eight points, but he had like eight assists. You know, so Dion, Dion was playing his butt off. He ran the hell out that team, man. Dion did exactly what Hamburg wanted him to do. You know, he didn't get out his body. He didn't turn that ball over. He was fundamentally sound. He stayed right there. And I know I saw flashes of it. Like, he could do, he can go where he want to go, too. But like Dion Franklin said, you know, Hamburg, nothing against him. That was just the way that he coached. And yeah, you knew that going in if you go there. So it's all good. Yeah, Dion was my guy. Like, Dion, me and Dion knows each other game. Dion knew where I wanted the ball. Dion, me and Dion been playing against each I mean, with each other, alongside each other since we were in like elementary school and certain. Which, which brings me to this. You were supposed to go to Simeon or he was supposed to go to King. Or how was that? Wait, wait, say it again. You was breaking One up. of y'all was supposed to come to Simeon and he was supposed to come play with you or you were supposed to come play with him. Didn't you tell yeah, yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, um, hey, man, that was, that's another crazy story. Like uh, we were, uh, Ham. You know, Hamp, we played with uh, Hamp. I think Hamp was one of the guys that used to get a lot of players to go to Simeon. Mm -hmm. And Hamp was a good friend of, you know, I'm going to even say friend. He was a mentor to a lot of us. So it was me, Dion, and another guy by the name of Billy. Billy ended up going to play Simeon, too. He played football and made it to the NFL. Oh, wow. But it was always us three playing on the same, you know, teams, traveling out through, throughout Chicago land. And so... One day, Simeon was playing against CVS, you know, CVS High School. So Hamp took us to the game, packed house. And um, after the game, Hambrick came over, shook our hands, talked to us. And I was like, man, I like Simeon. My cousin's already there. So got a chance to see my cousin, Tony Rice mm -hmm. and Steve, Steve Rice, Steve Bo. Uh, so they were already there. So Hamrick shook her hand, and then it was this young lady. And, and I was like, oh, she nice looking right there. And Hamrick looked at me like, you want her? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is he talking, you know? And, uh, and I was like, no, nah, man, you know, and um, you know, I got a little shot in after that. And um, so Hamrick walks away, and then um, me and Dion, I call him Earl. Well, that's his name, Earl. Right. Earl, he's like, Earl, I said, what you going to do? He said, man, I'm going to Simeon. I said, well, I'm coming to Simeon. So right then and there, we both said we were going to Simeon. Guess what? He went to Mendel and I right. went to Crane. Yeah, he went to so, Mendel, came there after I left. <laughs> you went to yeah. yeah, so so wow. we would we would have both been there. I think we was just caught up in the moment. We were both excited because we was at the you game. Did. You were young, right? Yeah, Think if somebody would have piggybacked off that, we both probably would have been in Simeon. Absolutely, absolutely, because I mean it was one or two schools that was really going after everybody. So I, I so you win state, you win the state championship though. We've got to go back to that now, man. I mean, you win the state championship, you finally did it. How did that feel, man? Who did y'all beat? Kendall Gill now? Yeah, we beat Red Central. 
uh, Kendall Gill, his brother, and Bobby Bobby Smith. They had a they had a great team, man, a great team, and and um, they had a great great game plan. They slowed the game down, and um, it was a close game. I mean, we ended up winning by three points, I think. Hey, um, yeah, we won a low scoring game like the forties, uh, but. Yeah, we won it, man, and we were all excited, all happy. You know, Heck the yeah. Verbs, the got it. Dream of coming to fruition, that had to let you know that it was pretty much attainable at that point. But you had to have to have gotten to that point. Yeah, the Verbs got it. Verbs got his chance to uh, to go out the right way. You know, he won a state championship his senior year. He got sent off the right way, and I'm, I'm I immediately start thinking about next year. You know, like, man, I got to get back down here. You know, I just can't, you know, get there one year and then right. call it quits. You know, I got to get back down there. So I was back. I was back at it, man. And, of course, and of course uh, Cox, he never really let us, like, stop playing. We <laughs> Soon when that ended, man, we was back in tournaments playing again and had new faces. We had two, you know, elite freshmen in the name of Jamie Brandon and Johnny Selby coming back, coming, you know, the next year, super, super freshmen, uh, along with me, myself, and Emmett, um, Paul Anderson, we had a, Richie Smith, we had a good group of guys coming back. So we knew we had some pieces, you know, that we can actually go back and have an opportunity to defend our title. Uh, but we knew it was gonna be tough getting out of the city. I mean, that, that year Dunbar beat us twice. Um, we lost in the Proviso West, you know, Christmas tournament. So everybody just writing us off, you know. Like, it was that, 86? That was 87, 87. 87, okay. 87, you know, because the game plan was they, a lot of teams knew they couldn't stop me, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what, you know, Liberty going to get here. So they were basically saying, let Marcus get his, we stop everybody else. That was everybody's game plan. So if you look around, you look at some of the stats, I was having 30. 40, 40 point game, and we were. Well, let me rewind back, Liv. Let me cut you off. So, coming into your senior year, did they nominate you McDonald All American before that or after that? How do they do that? Well, of course, you know they're not going to put it there before. But how can I not be the McDonald McDonald American? I was the number one high school player being recruited, uh, touted, you know, in in the country. You know, right. they, if I wasn't a McDonald All American, then something's going to be wrong. You know, right. we were to tour up the city. That information, though, do you get that before your senior year that you're the number one player in the nation or after? How does that work? Well, it's different now, um, you know, uh, but we all go to this Nike camp. It's a big, big time camp. And um, I came out of that Nike camp as the top dog, you know, and uh, you had to play against some of the best players, though. It wasn't about on the AAU circuit, you know, right. like, now, it was just going to the camps and you got to go show out in these camps. And um, I was showing out in those camps. And I came back and I was, in, you know, the number one player. And um, and I remember playing against Dennis Scott, uh, Sean Higgins, and uh, Anthony Manuel. I'm uh, not Anthony Manuel. Uh, uh, can't think of his name now. Mark Macon, mm. you know, those guys. And uh, Chris Jackson was even down there. Alonzo Mourning was even there. He was underclassman. Kenny Anderson. So all these great
on the roof in Princeton, New Jersey. You you uh, paused for a minute there. So you said opt out. You said all these great, and then you paused for a second. So when I yeah, yeah, I said all those great players, all these great high school players. Yeah, that class of '87, y'all was loaded. So you come back into your your senior year, y'all kicking butt. What happened? Y'all make it to city. Y'all win city. How does that work? How did it work out for you? Yeah, we definitely were a back-to-back -back city championship. We won the city championship. Uh, it was a hard road, though, man. We had to play Collins, I think, again. Collins had beat us in the Proviso West tournament. And now for the Marbles, to get to the championship, we had to play them again. And I told you, I think I've mentioned this, that Walter Bonds used to play me the hardest out of anybody I played against. Wow. You know? Because he had the body, you know, he had a he had the body, about six five, so it was always hard. But I still, you know, gave him gave him numbers. Still gave him, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But but it was always, you know, he always he always gave me some, you know, hard time on the court, and uh, which I respect. I respect his game, you know, and um, so we had to uh, beat them, and then I had to play my old teammate. Crane in a city championship. And wow. I'll tell you the story. I was just not coasting. I was, I was, I was playing my game, but I can hear the crane people saying, trader, trader, trader. And that kind of just made me pissed. I, I was pissed. You <laughs> so I ended, I ended the game, man, with 41 points. Um and we won the game by a whole lot of points. And I was like, man, I had respect for my players, you know, my boys that was over there, Joe Doherty and, and all them, you know, the guys that I played with. And, but when I hear the fans saying I was a trader, I'm like, come on now. We, <laughs> I, we won a city championship. I know it was special. It was special there. Right. Um, we probably would have probably won the city championship, you know, if I would have stayed. Um, but I gave him 41 points, man. And that's that big, be, bro. That was yeah. big in the city championship game for all yeah. the models. For all so the models. Basically, if they would have just shut up the game, you probably would have just had 25. <laughs> that's why people gotta understand. Don't wake up great players. Just stay away from them. Leave them alone. You know, they might have something else on their mind. Yeah, that's man. great, man. So you win city again. So that's three city championships you got there. Any yeah. Mr. Basketball? In Mr. Basketball? Yeah I, was, yeah, I was Mr. Basketball, uh, parade All-American for two years in a row, first team, uh, All-Stater uh, for two years in a row, uh, McDonald All-American. And it, it was so, it was so. But you it said was, it was one award you should have got. It was the Naismith Player of the Year. Uh, what'd you say? What player you said you, you should have got? Uh, another award that Dennis Scott got. Oh, Dennis Scott got the Naismith Gatorade Player of the Year. Right. Yeah, I got everything else. He got that one. I got everything. Right. But but yeah, I mean, it's he, politics with everything. Whatever he got it, but I yeah. mean, that's, boy, it's all good. Yeah, but but no, man, I got number love with Dennis Scott. You know, like he, you know, he was doing his thing, man, in high school. I was doing my thing in high school. Sean Higgins was doing his thing in high school, man. I mean, can't get all awards, you know. Shoot. Right, but you he was. I didn't realize Dennis Scott was so tall. He's six eight two. Dennis Scott was look the game back then, man, is what it is now, right? Like, 
He right. was handling the ball at 6'8". I was handling the ball at 6'8". Sean Higgins was handling the ball at 6'8". Right. Uh, Eric Manuel was handling the ball at 6'8". I mean, we all was handling the ball back then, you know. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing now was perfect for us now, you know. Like right. when, you, when you see the game is transformed to. So, man. But, well, I'm sure you're seeing Magic yeah, Johnson. So I want Oh, Magic Johnson, definitely, man. I mean. That's what, I, if you hear any one of us talk, we probably going to say Magic Johnson. He had to. Because made, he made it okay for a big guy to handle the ball, didn't he? Yeah, Magic was. Because at was, first, all of us looking at Magic like, how's this big dude? Go down there on the post. <laughs> but yeah. Well, but go ahead. I did, go ahead. I, no, I said I didn't look at it like, you know, I was looking at it that. You know, coaches are playing players at their best position. Magic Johnson's best position was up top with that basketball, leading a fast break, mm-hmm. you know. And his coach, you know, knew that when he went to Michigan State. That's what he was. And NBA, same thing. This is what he is. Right, right. Some coaches, because of your height, like you said, you're going to play in the post. Right. You know, and, and, and sometimes that might not be where he best – you know, suits for himself to be successful, you right. know, at, and I think a lot of times coaches do do that, you know, right. and who, who am I to tell the coach what to do? You know, like it's your team, you know, yeah. and but these young boys now they do them young boys now be telling the coaches what to do. <laughs> like, if you ain't gonna play me the way you want me to play, I'm a transfer dog. <laughs> <laughs> So you win state title. It's time to make make it make a decision to go to college. I mean, I don't understand. How, that's one I never had that experience to have a hundred schools recruiting me. And like, how do you make a decision? Like, how do you make a decision, man? How did you make that decision? That would I would say that was one of my that was one of my toughest uh, decisions or toughest things that I ever had to do because um, for one, I never been through anything like that. That you know, coaches are calling your house, even though Cox was the one was handling everything for us. Coaches, coaches knew how to get my phone number and my house number. They were still calling, you know. Well, your number was in the phone book back then, remember? Ringing, ringing off the hook, man. And, um, and um, I just didn't know what to say because they were all telling me great things. You know, and I'll, and I'll commit, like, right there, like, yeah, I'm coming. You know, it did, you know, it, 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 because there was sense, you know. And that's why I try to help kids now. I say everybody, most all of the top elite coaches, they all have the same script that they're going to tell you how great you are. They're going to tell you that we need you in our program. You you fit what, what I'm all about, what we're trying to do here. And it, you just got to. You got to really like do your homework on the, on the school. If you want to make that the choice to go, you know, play for that coach or not. So to make his long story short, John Thompson, he was after me really hard. Jim Bayhan, Jim Bayhan, Syracuse, um, Illinois, of course. And then UCLA came on a little late. Bobby Knight. A lot of people didn't know Bobby Knight was after me. Bobby Knight came uh, to one of our practice in his little plaid, you know, suit coat. 
though he was actually a king at King High School on the South Side, man, sitting in the gym watching us practice. And um, I never got a little like a bad vibe about him, like what people, you know, got because I saw what he was doing with his elite players. His elite players were playing. You know, it was the other guys that he would get on because he knew he needed those other guys to make it work mm-hmm. because Jay Edwards was doing his thing at Indiana, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of other star players, Calvert Chaney, they were all doing their thing at Indiana in that, in that system. You know, yeah, he did some things that people didn't like, and that's one of the reasons why I was not going there because I didn't like it, you know, the way yeah. he, you know, doing things. But I actually liked his, what he did with his star players, though. He let him, he let, he did let him, let him play. So it came down to, you know, Illinois and uh, Syracuse. And uh, I actually made a, this is all stuff going to be in my book too, man. So I'm not going to go into details with a lot of this stuff, but um, it was between Syracuse and Illinois. And Jim Behan was almost at every single of one of my games in, in the city. Wow. Especially during the summertime. Like in the summertime, we was in this tournament at Avalon Park. It used to be packed. So Jim Beheim was there, Lou Henson was there, and it was always in the crowd, you know, watching me play. And then I would see him come out, you know, you couldn't, you know, talk to him or nothing then because it was a violation. Uh, so I would look and I would say, man, Jim Beheim, he, he must really want me, man, because he, he's here every time we play. And, um, and then I saw Lou Henson, you know, at all the games. So I'm like, man, these two schools are really showing me the most love, you know, and I think that something leaked out some kind of way that North Carolina, they sent me letters, but they weren't coming. I think they knew that they didn't have a chance because people was, you know, spreading rumors or whatever saying that you don't, you don't have a chance. You know, that kid's going to Illinois. They, they would have never known though, live unless they tried, man. That's the Tar Heels, baby. Man. Yeah, they, so they didn't, they didn't really come as hard. You know, uh, I mean, I got letters from them and all that, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't actually come visit, but I got. I got a great visit from John Thompson. You know, sit down and talk to him, man, and uh, and I'll share a little of the story with the man that I didn't understand as a kid what he was really talking about. You know, John Thompson when he sat down in my my house, man, with with us and talked about what he wanted to see me become, mm. and me as a young kid from inner city was thinking you're not talking about any basketball and you recruited me because you want me to play basketball mm-hmm. but he was like no i'm i'm recruiting you because i'm gonna make you better than basketball wow you're gonna be you know well educated you're gonna get your education you're gonna do some big things out there in this world and at the time i didn't see it so that was one of the reasons why I didn't like even consider Georgetown because I was like, man, why are he coming down here and talking, you know, all this stuff, you know, whoop de woo. And I'm, I'm not trying to go there, man. But now I see, you know, I mean, you, you preaching the same stuff to these kids now, ain't you, man? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh. I, I, I see, you know, as as John Thompson being an African American, a black man, head coach, his best interest is our mm. is our 
best interest. And and he was going to make sure of that. You could talk to Mutombo, you could talk to Patrick Ewing, you could talk, talk to all these guys who played for him, that he wanted the best for them on and off the court. And I can't say that for a lot of college coaches. And he did it, though. He showed and proved with those guys. During his tenure there, he made sure those dudes was on a straight and narrow. And people don't understand, Georgetown is a private institution. It's hard getting in there. Dude, he changed Georgetown. He made Georgetown what it was, you know, as right. far as a basketball powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see that at the time. You know, I didn't understand it at the time, what he was all about, what he was trying to do. Um but as I look back, I knew that he wanted the best, you know, for his players, you know, on yeah. and off the court. So, but yeah, so I, I didn't make that decision. And then I went to visit Syracuse and I, I basically said I was going to Syracuse. I, that was school I was going to go to. And, um, but didn't, uh, didn't plan out, didn't, didn't pan out because you can make the verbal commitment as long as you didn't sign no paper. So I didn't sign anything. And, because you committed when you was down there, right? Because I got I got so excited. Who was your tour guy? Tell the people who was touring you around. I didn't even tell my parents, you know. So my mom and my mom, Derek Coleman, Derek Coleman was my you know host. Uh, but I didn't tell my mom, my dad. I just like I got so excited, I just like I'm coming. <laughs> so, so my my mom and dad didn't uh really appreciate that, but uh so I had to retract all that man and, and to just let the let the process you know work itself out you know and I wanted to commit early because I didn't want the pressure of going through my senior year so I made that commitment early to whatever school I was going to attend I, I committed early and I, I made that decision to say I was going to go to Illinois and I made that made that decision man and the rest is history well you know what that was a great decision uh yeah, you know, I know it's a, it was, it's hard for a 19, 18 year old kid, you know, but we was glad to have you at home. You know, I'm gonna tell you that off the bat, uh, being a Simeon guy, I tell you how much you meant to me back then. Cause after we lost Ben and then you came around at six, eight, I was like, and he's, he's a little bit more athletic and he's, he's a new and improved version kind of like, you know, cause it was two year laps. You know what I'm saying? And that's just how basketball is. So when I saw you, mm -hmm. I was like, Man, look at this dude. He's getting this mug and going. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to let you know. Now I always tell you how much you meant to me after we lost Benji. I was like, man, Marcus is a breath of fresh air. So when you stayed at home, I was like, oh man, we get to see a man at night. You but know what I'm saying? That was, but that was my mindset too. Like, you know, losing Ben, that shit hurt me too. Like it just didn't hurt Simeon people. <laughs> you know, I know how people oh. like. You want to make being their own like that's my that's my baby you know but <laughs> it, hurt, it, it hurt everybody it hurt the city it hurt a lot of people who knew ben wilson you know and right. ben wilson was chicago and he was a part of each and every one of us at that time at that particular time right he right. was our he was our guy like man so you that's why i said man you would never hear me say things about ben wilson on a negative side because sometimes people try to get you to go there and, and I, I don't do that. I say, you know what? Ben did his thing. I did my thing. But yeah, when he, he when he lost his life, I was like, I'm the next big, you know, thing for the city, you know, to, to share some light, you know, because we just lost someone. I was Man. wondering, I always wanted to ask you that. Did you feel a certain level of pressure when that happened 
to pick it up. Like, oh man, we just lost our guy. Man, let me pick this up. You know, I, I always wanted to ask you that. No, my my mindset was that's what I used to think. Like, I'm like, damn, Ben didn't really get the chance to finish it out. So give me that torch. I'm gonna run with it. And that's how I looked at it, you know, because he didn't fulfill it. You know, he didn't get a chance to fulfill his senior year and do what, you know, people was looking forward to seeing him do. Right. So I'm looking at it like now it's my turn, you know, and then you have people saying, you know what, they were, they wanted to cover me, you know, like protect me. Like, man, Marcus, make sure you don't go over here. Make sure you don't do this. Right. You know, I had people actually coming to me. It's almost like the city was like, you know what, we're going to protect this one. Right. Sure he's he's good. Right. And, and 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 I and I went out and just tried to do the best that I possibly can do, man, to make the city proud, proud of me. So when I go to these events and, 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 and tournaments outside of Chicago, guess what? I'm representing the city. And that's how I always looked at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you did it well, big fella. And I want to let you know that I've always been impressed with the way that you carried yourself. But now you're going to Illinois with all the dogs. Okay, you don't play your freshman year. I'm gonna speed up to the year you did play though. That fly the line that team. You say, man, practices. You say if the practice was his own tape, man. Talk about that. Man, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that was an NBA team for real. It could have uh, been the NBA team, right? Yeah, man. We had we had guys that was in the NBA coming down working out you know, with us, like J.J. Mitchell, J.J. Anderson. No, no, not Mitchell, J.J. Anderson, but uh, Mitchell Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiggins, I mean, Mitchell Wiggins, my bad. Mitchell right. Wiggins, not Anderson, not J.J. Yeah. And Ken Norman used to come down every summer. So they used to play with us every summer. So we got a taste of what the NBA was really like playing against those guys. He was with the Houston Rockets at the time. Ken Norman was with the Clippers, I want to say. Um, so we got a chance to see what that really looked like playing against an NBA guy. And plus we played in the pro-am back in Chicago. So we already knew. So the practices, man, we will hang out all night, party, whatever, drinking and, and doing what we, we do. And then practices, it's like Kenny Battle dunked on somebody. Nick dunked on somebody. I dunked on somebody. Irvin dunked on somebody. Kendall dunked on somebody, you know. <laughs> And, and it wasn't no, like, man, you dunked on me and I'm pissed. I'm, we want to fight. It's like, no, I'm about to go down next on the, on the other end and dunk on you. That was, that was the culture, right? You know, that's how it was, man. And it was, it was so exciting to see us compete against each other. And then when it's over, we back being homies, you know? And I think that's what's missing a lot in the game today that a lot of kids don't want to challenge their friends. Like Nick Anderson, me and Nick Anderson, we cool. But when we step on that court, Nick trying to go with me and I'm trying to go with you, you know? And then afterwards, yeah. We that was the culture, though. But Liv, that was the culture we grew up in, though. No matter how much we were friends, that we had to, you had to create, like, your your boundaries. Like, dude, I know we buddies, but I, I am a little better than you. You know what I'm saying? Without saying it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, so those, those, that game, that, that year in 89, man, even though I knew I wanted to play a lot, now I had to work more so on being prepared mentally. Like when I do get that call that I got to be ready to perform, not knowing it was going to be in the sweet 16 that I had to be ready 
on a big stage national tele, national televised game against Louisville. Wow. Two of our star players, our star players went down. Lowell Hamilton and Kenny Battle. So now you need me, basically, you know. But I didn't look at it as, now nah, you need me, nah, 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 nah. Right? <laughs> I looked at it as, hey, it's God, my opportunity. Dude. Yeah, this is my opportunity yeah, yeah. to do something. You know, and, and me being who I am, I just love playing the game. So I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be out there and help my teammates. And Nick used to talk to me a lot. And he'd say, man, dog, you just need more minutes, man. If he give you the minutes, you gonna, I know you're going to perform. I'm like, yeah, I know, but he ain't giving them to me, you know. Uh, and this is the first it, time in your life that you've ever really sat down. Yeah, the first time. Me not start, you know. Like, right. I wasn't even starting, you know, uh, that year. So, so, yeah, that within itself was a culture shock. That was a, that was a shock to me. Like, man, I don't know how this feels coming out the bench and then you're playing a little minutes and then you get taken back out. Even if you are scoring a lot of points, you're going to get taken back out because starters got to get the minutes. Right. So I'm looking like, man, I just got to be ready. But we beat Michigan twice, you know, that year. We was at one time ranked the number one team in the country in 1989. Um, it was just a special year. I think a lot of people, they knew that we wasn't like the tallest team, mm. but we probably was one of the most athletic teams. Right. Interchangeable positions. Guys can play multiple positions. Um, it was just a special team. And when you have guys like myself, Larry Smith, Urban Small, coming off the bench, who probably could start on any other program's team. Mm -hmm. uh, that within itself shows how special that team really was. You know, and it's only been four rock star teams that I can say that I honestly see, maybe three, maybe four. And that's when Mark Aguirre was in college at DePaul. That was when LJ Nim was at UNLV. And um, that was when Chris Webber Nim was at Michigan. And the, the flying Illini. The flying Illini to me, honestly, is one of the most revolutionary basketball teams I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, athletic from one through 10. Loaded with Chi-Town talent, man, and Illinois talent, you know? Made it to the final four, and, and guess what? There's only been a couple of teams to do that. So, man, that's a credit to y'all, man. And then look at all of y'all now, man. You know you guys now. All of y'all doing well in life, man. So, yeah, Yeah, but, and then, Bob, you got to think about this. The teams that you name, those guys flew there to be a part of that. Right. Larry Johnson came from Texas to go to UNLV. All that was, that talent was from the state of Illinois on Illinois' team. It was not one guy from another state, you know, on that team. That's crazy. And a lot of us was from uh, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago public school. I think y'all um y'all have one one walk on that I know Ron Trice he always talk about how great it was being a part of that dynasty over there, right? Oh, Ron Ron Trice. Yeah, yeah. Ron Trice was a part of our uh, our crew. Um, 
Ron Trice was cool, man. We all used to, you know, hang out and 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 we used to, we used to rap, man. Me, Ron, and Larry Smith. Oh my God! Yeah, man. <laughs> it was funny, man. Uh, back then, but no, man. It was a it was a great experience, though, dude. For real, like I would. You stayed three years, though, Liv. So it had to be fun. I wouldn't trade in for nothing, man. I wouldn't. It had to be. Know, and I've been on that campus, man. I, I just could imagine, man, those games. What, 17,000 17, people? 15,000? Yeah, man. It was, and it wasn't like, like it is now. Like right. more, it's like now that they letting a the younger, you know, the, the student body get closer to the floor. They wasn't as close to the floor when we played. Can you imagine if they were close to the floor when we played that how it would have been? It would have been crazy, man. Like, it would literally been crazy because we would have got hyped off the fans, you know. Right. Uh, you know, so whenever we go to a game, whenever I go back to Champagne and go to a game, man, I see, I feel that that energy, that energy coming out of the building. Well, I saw a video when they announced you when you walked in the building and it erupted. How did that feel? Well, think you about it. I was chills, one, like I was one of the like probably the only number one player in the country to attend the University of Illinois. Really though. You know, so um, that that within itself, you know, makes me proud that I'm I feel, you know, appreciated when I when I do go back there and vice versa. I got love for the university as well. And um, didn't know, uh, but it's just something about it when you stay home. And people who saw you play in high school, they don't have to do travel that far to go see you play in college. Right. And you build relationships, you network, and and and, and people from the University of Illinois still recognize you. They make bobbleheads of you and, <laughs> and, and and things of that nature to to show that we appreciate, you know, you guys, the flying Illini. You guys meant a lot to the university. You know, I hear that from fans and people. Yeah, I mean, it's a culture. Y'all, y'all a culture. It's a culture within itself. The flying yeah. Illini. Nobody can say that they did that. Yeah. You know? But it all started in the city of Chicago, you know, right. growing up as a little pup, uh, understanding who came before us and not, you know, taking anything, you know, for granted. You know, a lot of times people take things for granted, thinking that since you was that that guy, like even when I was the number one player in, in the country, I didn't think that since I was that, I, I'm, I got that, I got this privilege that I'm I supported. You didn't, you didn't yeah, want to be entitled. Yeah, I'm entitled, yeah, to 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 play, you know, at the University of Illinois or start at the University of Illinois. I didn't, I never felt that, you know, I, I just wanted to play. That. I wanted to I, play. It couldn't have been me. I know I couldn't have been you. Yeah, you would have been, been, been like, as soon as yeah, I got there and they wouldn't let me play lid, I'm like, man, yeah. high, man, dude, I'm finna come there next year, man. That would have been me though. But you did the right thing. Yeah, you'd have been kicked, you'd have been kicked out of the school. Yeah, I did the, <laughs> I know, I know I did, man. You'd have been kicked out, you know. Uh, but but no, man, it's I love it, you know, all the accolades that I got in high school was awesome, you know, and I wouldn't trade it in for nothing, man. I, I, my path was the right path. You know, it wasn't like a bad path. I didn't, go to, path. I didn't go to jail. I didn't go to jail. I don't, I didn't, I don't, 
I didn't smoke weed. I didn't sell dope. You right. know, it's, I, it, it, it was the right path for me, you know, and if I can help any youngster out there, you know, my advice would be, you know what, if you do everything you're supposed to do, then keep on pushing, you know, and if you have some kind of obstacles in your way, don't run from, it. you know, sometimes face those obstacles and understand why those obstacles are there. Yeah. Things are sometimes placed in your way for for reasons. You got to understand why. Well, what is this here for? You know, like, yeah. is this something to veer me off or is this something that, you know what, they got to show how tough I really am. Right, right. And, and you did that, man. And so now you, you're finishing up college, you're getting ready to go to the NBA. You, you get drafted by the Denver Nuggets. Did you ever want to play at home, though? Did you have that urge to want to play for the Bulls before you get drafted? I just always wanted... Like, yeah, I, I actually worked out for the Bulls. Hmm. I worked out. I worked out for the Bulls, um, and the the rumor was that the Bulls will never draft a player from Chicago. Player from Chicago because they know the city too well. Right, I heard you, that. And then you know what comes along with that, you know. Right. You know, and that's that's one of the reasons why they say they don't. But if if you don't yeah of course i wanted to play for the city you know chicago you know um but it didn't happen you know and i'm thinking that even though i left my junior year of college my numbers were pretty good you know averaging close to 18 points close to eight rebounds a game in the big team playing out of position doing those things i'm thinking to myself i got a shot at this Right. You know, got a shot at this, you know, to do something special. 18 and 8, that's good. Them big time that's good. Them big time numbers. Big time in, in the top 10, top 10 in every, almost in every category in the big 10 at that time. You know, my field goal percentage was high. My free throw percentage was high. Uh, my rebounds, I was in the top 10. Scoring, I was in the top 10. So I was in the top 10 in a lot of things, a lot of categories, self-assists and block shots. And I wasn't doing too much, too much of that, <laughs> but, but, but no, it was, it was special, man. And so I, I put my name in the draft and, and plus my family was going through some things financially. So I'm thinking that I got an opportunity to help my family. My number's looking good. So I'm gonna put my name in the draft you know, hire an agent and then get advice from your agent. The agent tells you certain things and you, you start believing and, and then you go, you know, you do it, you know, and I did it. And I remember I got a phone call from Milwaukee Bucks and Milwaukee Bucks said it was going to basically take me and it didn't happen. You know, um, Who did they take over you though. Like they took uh, Terry Mills. Oh, Terry Mills. Terry Mills, who did not play for them, who right. ended up going to Greece and playing overseas. He didn't even he didn't even play for them. Oh. Uh, so I was like, that could have been me. Why why you, you know, like right. But but like I said, everything happens for a reason, man. Like so how did it feel that when you when uh, you Peter Bino uh was uh Pete, I said Peter Bino was uh one of the owners at Denver, he's a Chicagoan. Uh, he was one of the guys that helped, uh, an architect who helped put the White Sox arena and building all these beautiful facilities. And uh, so he was behind a lot of that. And uh, he was a part owner of the Nuggets at the time. And he called me 
And he said, uh, I watched you play in high school, college. And uh, we, he said, I know you probably down, but we are excited about having you. Mm. And um, kind of made me feel good. And, and then the next day I was on a plane flying to Denver. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. You know, to think that an elite athlete can get down as great as you was. And, that, and you need to, you know, we talked about that, how important it is to control our energy when we're going through these processes. But it's hard. You're young. Because, you, you know, you felt like you should have went higher. But you still got the opportunity. How did it feel when you got there? Like, from college, now you're in the Denver practice facility. you lacing them up. You're getting ready. How did that feel? Um, it felt great, man. Like, really. Like, it was... I had an opportunity to talk to some of my teammates. You know, I even had an opportunity to talk to Ken Norman, um, guys who've been there. Nick Anderson was there the year before, got drafted, lottery pick. So I had a chance to pick their brain a little bit to talk about how that NBA life is. Uh, but at the same time, they're not in that city with me. So right. there's a lot of things that I had to experience on my own and try to figure out because the older guys that were there they were pretty much on their way out, but they wanted to see how much they can get. Meaning if they can get another contract, we need to stay here. So why show this young rookie the ropes? No, we're going to let him figure it out on his own. We're going to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing, uh, which was trying to you know get as, get as much they, as they could out of the Denver Nuggets. Wow, that's crazy, man. And that hurts, man. That hurts when you're a young guy because you need that. You need a veteran, man, to cuff you to show you the ropes. Yeah, because if I never played in the NBA, how, how what am I supposed to who am I supposed to look up to? It's like right. when Jamie, it's like when Jamie Brandon came to King. I wasn't gonna let Jamie Brandon hang, you know, let him figure it out on his own. I'm like, no, Jamie, this is this, 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 and that. This is how we gotta do. We gotta work out together, we gotta do this together, we gotta do this. Make sure you're on the right right track. So when I'm gone, you already know what you need to be doing. Right. So so I kind of laid that off like for Jamie. And I just didn't get that. So it was a lot. Me and Chris Jackson had to figure out on our own when we got there. Wow. Yeah, man. That's that's tough, man. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. But you did get it. You made it. Yeah. So your first time getting on the NBA floor, very first game, lacing them up, you looking around like, hell no. Right? Well, you got to think, man, I was with the Nuggets. And we wasn't winning a whole lot of games. So it wasn't, like, really packed. Only time it got packed is when, like, Michael Jordan came. Right. And, and that to this, this picture I got behind me. Yeah. Was that was that there? Yeah. Those those games were like packed. You know, when Mike came to town, packed house. Magic coming to town, packed house. You know, so we didn't get a lot, you know, but we did get some support. Uh, it wasn't until like Mutombo, Mutombo got there and things started to change with the Nuggets a little bit. And um I got traded though. I got traded when the good stuff was starting to happen. Damn. You know, they made the playoffs. They beat Seattle. I was in Detroit at the time. You know, yeah, I was, right. They hit. The, they beat Seattle. I went. Matumbo was laying on the ground. Yeah, with the ball. Yeah, 
I I supposed to be on that team, man, and I got traded. And that, boy, that's one of the toughest things to go through, man, when you get that phone call that you have been traded, you know, to another team. Now you got to pack up and do all of that stuff. And and the reason why I say that is because I'm – you got to be prepared. Like there's no, they, no preparation. They didn't prepare me that, you know, you about to get traded. It's just, you got the phone call. You can't go on the trip. Detroit Pistons going to be calling you in within an hour. And I'm like, what? Damn. Yeah, man. I'm glad you said that, Liv, man. I want you to elaborate on that. And real quick, just two minutes. Teams can play players, but the minute a player want to leave, they burn in their jersey. Just yeah. two minutes, man. What do you take from that, man? Let people know how it feels. Like you said, I'm ready to go to Denver. I'm, I'm ready to go on a trip. And then they call me. Take us inside of that, man. That's, that's why, in a way, I'm kind of happy that the players can basically predict or place themselves in different situations with different teams and different players or whatever. I know we say they part, they pairing up and doing whatever they're doing, but at least give them the power to make, you know, the right decision, what they need to do for their families. I didn't have that choice. You know, I, I couldn't say, no, I don't want to go to uh, Detroit. I'm not going, I'm staying here. Well, if I don't do that, then <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Right. So I had to, to pack my bags at the time, you know, I was married and um, my wife wasn't even there at the time. Mm. So they were already in Chicago on vacation with my daughter and so I'm calling my wife, like, I just got traded. She's like, well, who going to pick me up from the airport? You know, when I, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, they don't really basically care. You know, it's like, you've been traded. You need to go do what you need to do. And I had to leave my car, man, everything. And I just had to pack a bag with you some clothes. You car? Yeah. So I had to just pack some bags that, you know, that I can have enough clothes and, and get on out of Dodge, man. And I was gone. That was the last time I was in Denver, man, like in 1993, man. The last time packed everything up, moved to D Detroit, um, had to find me a place in Detroit, you know, cold, you know, I'm like, man, I'm coming from the West back to the, you know, Midwest and it was cold and just, you know, and Isaiah Thomas was there, of course, you know, and uh, didn't play that much with Detroit. And then that was the last of me really playing in the NBA and, uh, so I tell, I tell kids, man, when I go out and speak, man, just continue because I got down on myself and I didn't want to, I didn't want to play no more. You know, I was like, man, this, this is for the birds, man. But that's because I didn't understand what was at stake. What did I need to keep doing? You know, and I just didn't want to do it no more. I just stopped man. I should have been, you know what? Man, I don't want to, I don't want to have to go through this and, and put my family through this. So I, I stopped and then started back up and played overseas another six years. And then I, I eventually hung it up. But you, I mean, you played a lot of basketball. So there could be a burnout there too, mentally. You know, you're talking about a kid been playing since 11 years old, bro. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah, it wasn't even, a, like, I didn't get burnt out. It's just when you got people that's coaches that's supposed to be there to motivate you, and sometimes they – they change, they switch up on you mm -hmm. to try to bring you down. The old school philosophy, I'm going to tear right. you down and build you back up. Right. A lot of times they forget about you. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot to build you back up. You right. know, I, I tore you down, but I forgot. 
Wow. You know, and 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 when I see coaches do that, you know, I, it, it just hurts my heart because it's going to be one kid or two kids that you do that to, and you're going to forget that you actually tore that kid down, and that kid's going to stop playing the game that he thought that he loved, or he wanted to love it, and he couldn't get it back in return because of you taking it away from him. Wow, that's deep. That's deep, and it happens every day, and yeah. it goes unnoticed, and it, go, it goes unaddressed, and I think that uh, the vast majority of these coaches and teams and schools look at us like a number, man, at some point, like, oh, we'll get another one. You know, another one will come along. And like you say, they'll tell you anything. But, man, you was able to recoup and regroup, and you, you got a great life now. You're doing phenomenal things right now. Um, you want to talk about what you're doing now? I mean, you was out the league, but you picked it back up, and you're doing Liberty's Edge. You got one of the hottest programs down in Sarasota, Florida. Talk about that, big fella. Uh, doing a lot of things, man. I go out doing speaking engagements, uh, private lessons, teaching kids, mentoring kids, uh, even from afar. You know, I talk to a lot of people back home in Chicago, Azel Barnes, who's going to Michigan. Um, a lot of guys I, you know, stay in contact with Coach Rob at Simeon High School. But yeah, I have a program here called Liberty Edge. And um, we try to give back and get kids used to playing basketball the right way teaching them the right way. A lot of times people put the ball in their hands and the kids just running all over the place. You know, you got to give them some kind of structure. I ain't saying it's got to be a whole lot of structure, but give them some structure that they have to abide by and, and then let them play their game within that structure. You know, I'm not like, that's one thing I wanted to hear a lot. Like I will give you structure, but you can play your game markets within that structure. Right. You, you didn't hear that as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to make sure that I make that a vocal point that you're going to get the structure part. You're right. going to understand how to play, but I'm going to let you play your game within that structure. Right. And that's, that's usually how it's supposed to go. I mean, they give you the, the format to start out, but when you're a talented guy, like you was, okay, you can start off running the play, but Hey, look, divert, <laughs> divert, <laughs> go get buckets. Cause that ultimately you need buckets to win. And that's how that's how Coach Cox was, man. Coach Cox had that structure, but he was like, man, y'all play, you guys can play your game within that structure. And that's what happened, man. That's why we won city championship. That's why we won state championships, man. And you can look at it, the list can go on and on. I guarantee you, we asked some of the coaches, did you try to overcoach your star players or did you let them play? Most of them overcoached. <laughs> overcoach. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I chose street ball over school ball. I like, man, that shit ain't no fun. But check it out. <laughs> okay, you you had a great career, man. But one thing that you're very adamant about, and I admire the most about you, is first of all your humility, and then the fact that you refuse to split Chicago up. No, I'm not gonna never do that, man. Because Chicago has been like good to me. Like this is where I was born, dude. I wasn't like no, I was I didn't fly there and then actually started hooping and doing all this stuff. I was raised in Chicago, born in Cook County Hospital. You right. know, so I have Chicago in my blood, man. And Chicago always gonna be in my blood. You know, it's not it's never gonna go nowhere. No matter where I'm at, Chicago was always gonna and, be with me. And for and for you, it's not north, south, east, and west. It's one Chicago. It's one Chicago, man. No matter how, how much we try to divide it, you know, people try to divide it, even if you're from the west side, even if you're from the south side, you know, just show love, man, for Chicago in general. 
we had a lot of we have a lot of great basketball history in Chicago and it's coming from all sides. So it's we in one big pot, man, Chicago in general. Man, this was a great interview, man. And you know, we like to close, you know, with, you know, uh, you leaving some positive for the youth. You know, if, if it was anything that you would tell young people after your whole run, Liv, you played a lot of basketball, you've done a lot of great things, man. You got a great program. What would you tell a kid right now if he was struggling, trying to recover after basketball? Not, not I'm talking about after the game, after the ball stopped bouncing. These are for these guys. What would you tell them? Well, it's hard, Bob, because sometimes we don't, as athletes, think it's going to ever end. So we think it's going to always continue. So I always say, and I, my advice would be, have an exit you know, strategy. Like, what would that look like? Whether that's you starting a non-for-profit, whether that's you teaching basketball to the youth, whether that's you going out speaking, being a mentor to uh, the next generation generation of you know up and coming hoopers uh or, or find a trade you know start you know since you're making money in the nba use that money to make more money for you start your own business you know whether that's you going to start a, a automobile place or or, or being you know owning a furniture store or op open up franchises restaurants yeah. understand what that looks like because when that ball do stop and you don't have a plan and you just sit back and you think you're just going to retire when you 30 years old Life still goes on, man. And if you don't do something with that money to make that money work for you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for you to really think about your next move. So start thinking about your next move while you're still playing. And I got nothing else to say. We got the legend, the NBA veteran, the McDonald's All-American, your host, Marcus Liberty. He just dropped bombs on y'all, man. Great show, Marcus, man. Woo, man. Believe Podcast Network. Uh, man, we still looking for sponsorship. Live, good stuff, big guy. The Liberty, <laughs> the Liberty, the Liberty sweet, bro. Appreciate you, man. Hey, you did a good job too, man, hosting the show, man, holding it down. Man, we got to get you doing more, boy. No, I like being the co-host, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'll give you back your job tomorrow, man, because we got coach from uh, Cleveland State coming on. Dennis. Dennis Gates, yeah. Dennis Gates going to be on. Tomorrow, man. So we'll be back on tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Until then, I'm up out of here. Your boy Marcus, Liberty on Believe Podcast Network. Peace. Peace. Love you all. I holla. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.